This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now the Rugby World Cup began on Friday night when France, the hosts, played New Zealand, perhaps the most feared and lauded team in the history of rugby union in Paris. It was a great occasion. The opening of the World Cup was delightful in the way that these openings so very often aren't, and it's been a big weekend. It's going to last until October the 28th, when the final is played. We hope, of course, that Ireland, the number one ranked team in the world, will be going all the way. But the journey will be fascinating. And on the stand, we are going to cover it in the best possible way by having one of the best and most respected judges of the game. And he's also from the Southern Hemisphere. His name is Matt Williams. He's Australian. So you'll get it straight. He's a broadcaster and writer. He has a real deep history in the game as a coach, writing about the game as well. He was the head coach for New South Wales Waratahs in Super Rugby, and even I know who they are. Um, <laughs> and he also coached Leinster and Ulster. He coached in France, where he's now living. And he was the defensive coach for Ireland in 2001 and the head coach for the Scottish national team. He's part of a really excellent Virgin Media panel, which uh, includes uh, Rob Carney and Alan Wynne-Jones, and is chaired with great intelligence uh, and ease by somebody called Joe Malloy, who's a broadcaster I, I wasn't really familiar with. Matt, you're very welcome to the stand, and we're really very happy to have you. This weekend is only the beginning, but it was an interesting uh, and in some ways intriguing 
beginning. I want to ask you first about the opening game, France against the All Blacks. They are the two most favoured teams, along with the defending champion South Africa and even ourselves, Ireland. What did you make of that opening game? Eamon, thanks very much for having me. It's an absolute privilege to be here with you and talk to you and all your listeners about something I really love and am passionate about. And uh, I particularly love World Cups because our world rankings are very ordinary and, and this is really where you figure out who is the best. Yes. And and on Friday, very rarely at a World Cup, Eamon, is the opening game of, a, of any World Cup in any sport a real indication of the tournament, but it certainly was on Friday night at Stade de France. Yes. And, and it's one of the unique things about this particular World Cup. The teams are so very even and there are in the pool stages some absolutely crucial games and that tends not to happen in most World Cups in any sport. It certainly hasn't happened in, in past Rugby World Cups to a degree, but Friday night was phenomenal. It, it, it was a dramatic game. Um, firstly, it was, it was um, a great friend of mine, Brady Igo, was in the stands, was telling me it was 42 degrees in the stands at yes. Stade de France, and on the pitch it was 36. So that's not, you know, the green fields of rugby school in England midwinter was when the game yes. was – we're not meant to play in 36-degree heat, though I have done it in Australia, and I can tell you it's very unpleasant. So there was a huge, a huge issue with that, with the heat. New Zealand came out and scored within the first 90 seconds, a really – a, a scathing break, beautiful lead-up work, and you thought two things. I hope they're not going to just demolish France. And the other thing that came into my mind as an old coach and player, I and I'm sure it just goes in all sports, when you score early, sometimes you're going to lose. Yes. Mentally, you're just not there. And slowly but surely, France fought their way back into the game. And then again, straight after halftime in the first Two minutes, New Zealand scored again. And then I thought, whoa, that is a decisive blow. And then France just put their foot on the clutch. All the nerves and expectations just, just dropped away and they just got into their flow. They got into their motions and, um, they really, really dominated the last 35 minutes of the second half. So much so that New Zealand rarely got into the French half. It was, it was quite a dominant display in the end. Yes, and I have to, I don't have to tell anyone, I'm no expert on rugby, but I thought their demeanor, the All Blacks, for a lot of second half and at the end, I thought they'd gone. Thought they were a team who had been, you know, feared, uh, respected, of course, and winners, but I thought they were a mess. Their body language at the end of that game was really poor. They, they were beaten. They were well and truly beaten. Uh, and, it, it was a matter of time, I mean, and, and it did break. It, it's it's extraordinary. Um, they they do have. Let's let's be a little bit fair to the Kiwis, which I don't really like to be fair to them because they've never been fair. <laughs> they've never been fair to Australia for 120 years. But well, they do have a few injuries, and yes. and they did, you know, they did uh, get an injury early on. But so did France. France had to replace their, their hooker, Marchand, in the opening minutes. So I think that weighed out. But it's certainly the, their skill level is still wonderful, but the rest of the world has risen. And the New Zealanders 
probably for the best part of the of the 21st century, their, their skill levels were far above the other countries. Yes. And if, look, just in the short, everyone's caught up. Everyone's worked at it. The professionalism that New Zealand showed, you know, if from in 2015 World Cup was just ex- absolutely astounding. And everyone has gone to work at that. And they've worked at their kids coming through the system. And all that French, or the vast majority of that French team, came through their under-20 World Cup winning teams from six and seven years ago. So they've the French have learned everyone's going back, like Leinster and Ireland would be in the, in the same, um, absolutely in the same school where their young players have been educated so well and taught so well that when they're arriving at international level, their skill levels are just superb. And I thought the French outskilled the uh, the New Zealanders, which... I, I've, you very rarely have been able to say for the best part of 25 years. Yes, and obviously I gathered from even looking at South Africa, Scotland yesterday, the kicker is so important in rugby now, and the French have a really good kicker. But you talked to me last week about Dupont, the what, scrum half, is he? Yes. Out half? yes. Scrum half. Scrum half. And you said to me you thought he was the best you'd ever seen and of course he was all over Paris all the papers he is a superstar in France he was relatively I was watching him very carefully he was relatively quiet by the standards you'd set for him and the rest of the world it has to be said on Friday night was that sort of him playing well within himself and not doing any more than was required to get a result you're absolutely right, Eamon. He he made, for the first time in all the years I've watched he's only a very young man, in the, all the time I've watched him, he made two or three mistakes, two or three errors of skill. He kicked the ball out in the full once. Yes. Um, did a, did a, quite a poor kick over the top, um, which is so unlike him. Uh, but here's, here's the bad news for everyone else. Despite the best player in the world playing poorly, by his standards, like he wasn't a disgrace, but he wasn't as good as he as he could be. France still won, and the player who came off the bench, Luku, to replace him at about the seventy minute mark, played fantastic ten minutes and set up the last try. Yeah, and, and and this is the thing with this team there. So you lose Marshall as their hooker. He is, he is close to the best hooker in the world. There's four or five very very good hookers in the world. He was replaced by Movaka very early. I think it's about the seventeen minute mark. Movaka had an outstanding game. And, and then they've got another hooker who they didn't play, who plays for Ron Nagara down at La Rochelle, who's equally, and I, I think is better player than Movaka. Now, there's not much between them. So their, their depth of their playing roster, Eamon, is, is fantastic. And then you had these other great players around, like Gregory Aldridge, who was player, man of the match, uh, Charles Olivon, Ramos at fullback. They all stood up and played extraordinary extraordinary rugby and uh, and the uh, the winger Pinot who scored the try dropped the ball over the line once in a great tackle by the Richie Mongrel it has to be said forced the ball out but apart from that and a, and one error they played really exceptionally well now this is against New Zealand this is against as you rightly yes. said the most feared team in the history of the game so it sort of tells you where French rugby is it's in a very very healthy state yeah, I mean, just from a purely parochial point of view, watching it, I thought, okay, Ireland, you need to win your group because you don't want to be runners-up to South Africa in that group, which we'll come to in a moment, and facing France, uh, much better to get what looks like a fading All Blacks team in the quarterfinal. 
it, it was the most, from an Irish point of view, I mean, that was the most striking element of that game. Yeah. You want to dodge France to the final. And yeah. in the final, now here's the other aspect of that. I mean, we forget, we look at our sporting stars and we put them on pedestals. Uh, you know, the American football, the NFL started last night and everyone's yeah. got these people up on pedestals. And, and that's just great. That's what we do. We forget the humanity of them and the human frailty of them. Everyone, every game on the weekend had nerves in it, had the stress of performance, of expectation. And I thought the French and the New Zealanders, they really carried that early on. You could just see it. We're finally here. And instead of thinking, I'm going to rip into this and play with freedom, you could just hear in the back that little nagging voice in the back of the heads going, do not stuff this up. Do not yeah. stuff. And you, when you've got that negativity there, it's a hindrance. Yeah. And as the game went on, they flowed. But in the final, that's that. if, if France make the final, they are vulnerable to that. We've got yeah. this far. Let's let's not do it. Where I think Ireland, no one will expect them. They can play with a with a freedom, but it's certainly clear that they want to beat South Africa uh, to to avoid France in a quarterfinal because that that will be a very very difficult assignment. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier, and I'm Kate Spencer, and we are the hosts of Forever Thirty Five, and today. We're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Right. Now, I watched the Scotland-South Africa match yesterday. Scotland, of course, have been making a lot of noise. They've been doing okay recently. I think traditionally they may be a bogey team for Ireland. I'm not sure because, as everybody knows, rugby is not my sport, which is why we get the best experts we can, and you are it. Scotland, South Africa, I thought Scotland were poor, but I thought South Africa were, tell me about them. I mean, I, they're the defending champions. They look tough as hell. 
and very hard to break down. But I didn't think, well, tell me what happened. It was a classic South African game. I mean, yeah. it's, it's their game plan. And it's a, it, right. it, it is, I do not like it. It's not attractive. It's just, it's brutal. Um, you know, it's ours as a physical game and, and people love the physicality of it, but it also should be a game of beauty. And by that, you, it's the running game. And South Africa had just littered with incredibly genetically gifted athletes. And they tend not to use this. It's like they use it for a sporadic few second burst each game. And it, and the rest of the game is hand to hand combat. It's like wrestling. Right. And, and it's not attractive and I don't like it. Now the, the South African supporters adore it because especially in a World Cup where the, as we said, the nerves are so high and the stakes are so high. It's a really limited game. It's low risk. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely low risk. It's it's aiming the football equivalent is putting eleven players back in your half. Yep. From the yep. from from the kickoff, no one goes forward. It's it's a low risk game, but and they select for it. They select six forwards on their bench, which I don't agree with, but they do, and they bring on six fresh forwards at the beginning of the second half, and their second group of forwards are giants, just like their first group of forwards are giants, and that's where they play the game. Uh, and then they'll have this, they've got incredible speed on the wings, lightning fast players. And every now and then for brief, brief flashes, they'll get the ball to them. And that's enough for them to score tries and seal wins. And they, a, a, a friend of mine texts me. And I think it's a great, a great way of describing it. He just, he said, South Africa are strangling the life out of the Scottish game. Yes. And the Scots just couldn't play. And of course, the, the, the South Africans match the physicality with the ball to their physicality without the ball. So, I mean, if you imagine the field is 70 meters wide, roughly 65 to 70 meters wide, there's no, each field can be a little variant. It's got to be 100 meters long, but the width of a rugby field is not set. And what the South Africans do is they don't spread their defensive line from, tr- from sideline to sideline. They compress it to yes. take up, say, 50, 50 to 60 percent of that distance. So there's no space and they come up like the tide, like a rushing, right. like a rushing flood. And they just, they make it, they say, look, there's space out on the edges. If you're good enough, get there. Good luck. We're going to stop you. And they did. The Scots were constantly trying to get the ball to the, to the uh, fringes, to the flanks. And the rushing flood of Springbok jerseys just stopped them behind the game line every single time. They had one great chance, didn't they, Scotland? One great break, and the guy didn't pass it out wide. Yeah, that's exactly right. They had a, they had a three on one, and yeah. all he had to do was pass it, and he, he took the tackle, which was, again, I think it's pressure. But I, I think the Scots, too, I mean, I'm, I'm, and because I coach Scotland, whenever I say anything, you know, I make an observation that's not totally positive, I get a bit of criticism. But the Scots during the week, the Scottish, some of the players came out and said, we're the best Scottish team of all time, and we're really going to play. A lightning fast dominant rugby against the Springboks. They go, yeah. And, and, yeah. You, and you sort of say, well, you know, like, too early, like, lads. <laughs> why, why say that? Especially since Scotland had some great team in, in the 90s and they made the semi finals of the World Cup. They should have made the final of the 1991 World Cup. Well, that's really disrespectful to the guys in the past, especially when you haven't done it. And you're about to play the current world champions. You'd think you'd keep your powder yeah. very, very dry and not give them anything. And of course, they didn't back up the talk with their actions. So they're really in a, in a, right from day one, 
And in these tournaments, Eamon, each match you either take energy into the next game or you lose energy. Yeah. So they lost a lot of energy in that match. The South African kicker, no good, I thought. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And isn't it important when you think of Ron O'Gara, Johnny Sexton in our team, and this fellow George Ford, who we come to when we talk about England, what he did the other night, that you have a really reliable kicker and sometimes a guy will get you out of jail or win a match with a last-minute kick. You're absolutely, absolutely 100% correct, Eamon. The, the South Africans have a weakness in their um, in their team, and that is their out half, their number 10, their goal kicker. And he he didn't he, – so he, his, his name's um, – uh, Manny Lebock, and he is new to the team. Now, he's a very good runner of the ball, but he is not a high-percentage kicker. Now, the South Africans traditionally have the best the best percentage kickers in the world. Going back right to the 80s, they've always had these phenomenal goal kickers, and they tend to come out of the high belt where yep. the air, air is thin and the ball travels a long way, so kicking is so important. And he was very poor yesterday. I mean, they should have won. He, I think he missed uh, – uh, 12 points that he should have taken. Right. And in the end, uh, the little scrum half, Faf de Klerk, took over and put one over from the sideline. Now, here's the weakness. He is the only 10 they've selected. He is the right. only 10 they've selected. And, and there's a guy called Pollard who's got a slight injury they left out, but I think they'll be trying to get him back in for exactly that reason. Pollard has been their, their go-to man for many years. Not a great running uh, uh, 10, where Libok, he's a great running 10, but he's a phenomenally high percentage goal kicker. And if you're going to win a World Cup, you've got to be kicking in not around 90%. Your team has to have a 90% success rate around that mark. And that is a big, big weakness for South Africa. There is no two ways about it. Now, late in the game, they took him off and uh, they, they moved their team around to try and uh, see what how that would look like without him there and gave the kicking to De Klerk. Now, is De Klerk... Uh, a long-term answer to that goal kicking. Well, he kicked a beautiful one from the sideline. I don't really know his percentages, and he doesn't kick regularly um, at all for South yeah, Africa. Yeah, he kicked one with his left foot from the touchline, which was a, a very cute angle. Yeah, it was a lovely kick. But He's a good he, player too, isn't he? Oh, great, great little player. Like Tyler. Yeah. And, and I mean, look, you know, everyone says rugby is for the big guys, always been for the big guys, but rugby, you have these uh, position-specific physiques and it's amazing at the moment that our best players, the great players, like Faf de Klerk, uh, Aaron Smith for New Zealand, um, and, and DuPont, and then on the wing, Chisholm Colby, who scored the great try for South Africa yesterday. These are tiny little guys. They're all about 5'5", yeah, yeah. five, five, you know, yeah. but they're dominating the game. And it's, uh, it's good to see because, you know, I think, I think the, the physicality, the laws, the way the laws are going, the physicality has got too much. I'd certainly like to see some changes to the law, but I've been calling for that for years and, uh, I don't think World Rugby are really going to invite me to their dinner to ask how that's going to go. Okay. Don't worry about it. Um, them dinners, we've been at them. Uh, England, Argentina. The bookies made this a toss of a coin, evens your pick. England with 14 men, haven't had a player red carded early. They slaughtered them. What happened? I mean, I- Apart from George Ford's amazing kicking, you can explain that in the makes but something other than that happened as well, didn't it? It, it did. Um, Ian Chappell, the great Australian cricket captain from the 1970s, has a famous quote, says that the um, 
the only good thing England ever did for cricket was invent it. And uh, <laughs> I, I think we can cover that across a lot of sports. They invented. We can't say anything England ever did for the world. They invented sports. <laughs> and uh, I, I think we can say the same for, for rugby. I, it's 90 minutes of my life that I'll never get back, Eamon. It was a turgid, yeah. horrid affair, um, poorly offici- officiated. Um, I felt the, the red card was unbelievably t- tough. Yeah, I did too, and I'm, not a, I'm no expert, uh, but I did think it was tough. Well, and they waited a, quite a – there's an eight-minute pause when he's on the bench with a yellow card while they can upgrade the card or not. It, the, the idea of it – I support the idea of that, Aim. So it's instead of watching 100 replays and we all waste 10 minutes while the referee makes a decision, he just gives a yellow card and says, you're off the 10. I thought it was a, 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 a just a yellow card. And a penalty, let's go on. But then it can be referred to the, the TMO, the television match official, and he can upgrade it, which he did. And I, I was sitting with, you know, Alan Wynne Jones, who's, who's yes. uh, the most highly capped player in the history of the game. And he just looked at me and said, that's ridiculous, you know, and, yep. and it's not a, it's not a red card. I didn't think it was a red card either. So let's put that to one side. England have been playing such turgid, horrid rugby and haven't been able to buy a win. And I mean, sometimes, you know, the old term, you've got to win ugly. Yeah. They won in the ugliest of ways. It, right. And, and all that it was like going back to um, rugby when I was a kid. George, yes. George Ford came out and there was drop goals and penalties. And what it did, and, and he, let's give him credit, he was quite magnificent with those, the skill level and everything he, he produced with those drop goals was absolutely superb as an individual. So I'm not, not, and I, I think he should have remained as England's 10. They've, he's been dropped for many, for a couple of seasons and that, and they brought him back, and I think rightfully so. And he proved his worth the other day. But it, what it also did, the Argentinians got rattled. The physicality and the negativity of England rattled them. They couldn't get into the game. They kept yeah. turning ball over. They, their, their nature and, and Michael Checker has done a very good job to get their discipline up. They lost their discipline. They got frustrated and they were talking and giving away ridiculous uh, penalties. They gave away their own yellow card as well. And that just sort of fed the fuel of this, of England getting a win somehow as ugly right. and as horrid as it was. They did to their credit find a way. And um, now it's again. Well, here's the plus, and if I put my Australian hat on, um, England, whoever won that game would probably top the pool. And it's not a hundred percent, but it looks like England will top the pool. If Australia beat Wales, which I think they will, in their pool, they'll dodge England, who is a bit of a bogey team for them, and play Argentina in a quarter final. They're much happier to play Argentina, even though Argentina have beaten them in recent yep. years. They're much happier to play Argentina than they would be to play England. So that's a, a it has ramifications then further down the track for the semis and uh, and quarters as well. Okay, now Matt Ireland against Romania gave a try up within the two minutes. Mistake by Johnny Saxton, actually, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. And how did we do? Or even is it even worth making an assessment when you're playing opposition that week? It, it's it, the only assessment you can make, Eamon, is job done. Yeah. You, you've done really well. You've, you've, and that was pretty close to their starting team. Uh, and there was um, the, the 
really big young second rower, McCarthy, who's 120 kilos, a giant of a man um, out of Leinster. He's been a bit of a, and I wouldn't say bolter, but but he's grabbed an opportunity. And because they're looking, they're thinking, if we have to play South Africa, we need some big guys. And he is yes. a really big body. He had a, a, a very, very good game. So he's put himself in the frame. So what does that mean? It means they got this, most of their starting team out there, we, we would feel, and they all got a lot of time. They played really solid rugby. They pushed a few passes early on. Again, there's your nerves. That was poor decision-making. But they then settled into their task. And, Eamon, when you score, what was it, 12 tries or 11 tries and you're winning by yeah. 80. Uh, and we've got to give Romania credit. Like, they were very physical. They tackled – it sounds crazy and, and counterintuitive to give away that many points, but they did give a real physical – uh, battle to the Irish. And that, again, is really good. That's just what they need. And the last part of that, of course, I mean, is the talismanic Sexton yes. got on the field, got 65 minutes under his belt, played apart from that opening kick, which, you know, some of us would say, well, if the kick was on, where was the cover defence coming across? I noted this? one of your colleagues uh, on the panel, was it Rob Kearney? Yeah, it was critical of that. It, it, it was the, really just on the basis of discipline or something. Yeah, what what happens when you kick? When there's a kicker, you you then have to put because you're kicking up the field and you've got to expect some form of counter kick or yeah. counter attack. So someone should have been in the backfield, right? To to, okay. to make a tackle, and there was no one in the backfield. So they, but that, that's again, that's really good to get that exposed. So you've got something to work on. Right. Uh, on the basis of what you've told us this morning and what I observed myself in, in my limit, with my limited knowledge, uh, over the weekend in, ter in terms of uh, our own fate here, Ireland, and we are in the same group as Scotland and the same group as South Africa. This is us v South Africa to avoid playing the, the host nation, France. That's, is that the first big question from a, a purely Irish perspective and, of course, a, a French and South African perspective? Is that the big question that emerges from the weekend? I think that, without doubt, that is the big question. So you, you, and then we don't want to play. We don't want to play France in the quarterfinal. You've got to beat France somewhere. If you're going to win it, I would suggest you're going to have to beat France somewhere. I don't think. A quarterfinal is where is where you want to take them on, uh, you know, right. and, and that's and and again, Eamon, I, I said it on on uh, on the show the last week. Since 1972, Ireland have only beaten France in France three times against New Zealand. In the last eight games, they've beaten New Zealand five times. So yeah. you know, the, the statistically and on form that we're seeing, it, the lesser of two great evils is going to be taking on New Zealand. For sure. The, the last bit of that, Eamon, and we don't want to take our eyes off this, is after South Africa there's a good break, a good 14 or 13-day break, and then they play Scotland. Now, Scotland will be yes. desperate to win that game to get out of the pool. So yeah. they, they've got to do both. Now, the good thing is Ireland does, the way the draw has gone for them, they do have a good long break between those two games. So what I suspect will happen, they'll play um, Tonga, this weekend, they, they will probably not play most of their starting team. They will, they will give the other guys within the squad their opportunity. And I, the, the big question is, what do they do with Sexton? Do you give him some time and he'll want time? Or do you just say, well, what's the point? You played really well. Let's, let's 
keep you in cotton wool for South Africa because then if you play him against Tonga, he's then by definition got to play every game after that. Yes. So is his thirty-eight year old body up to that amount of games in 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 uh, in a row, consecutive games? History would tell us no. So I, I don't think they'll play Sexton this weekend. I I can understand if they do, but I don't think they will. And I think the majority of the starting team will be the the um, the second second team with some some big names on the bench, and then that will get them fourteen days preparation to play. Uh, South Africa, which uh, they will need. They will need that time to get ready and have a game plan. South Africa are beatable. Uh, they do leave uh, Ireland's passing game is superior to Scotland and their attacking shape is superior to Scotland. So they will put South Africa under a lot more pressure than, than Scotland did. But Ireland will have to be very, very prepared for that and then have a nice break before they prepare again for, for a desperate Scotland. Okay, Matt, we're really grateful to you. Fascinating to look forward to so many great days. It's <laughs> the Ryder Cup's on in the middle of it. <laughs> it's going to be a feast uh, and the Solhan Cup for the w- women. But I would strongly say to our listeners, I don't normally intervene in these matters, the panel of experts and indeed the chair of the panel, as it were, John Malloy, uh, Virgin Media's coverage is superb. It, it is really, really excellent. And I watched it twice this weekend. And the, <laughs> the opposition is, is not great. I don't normally say these things uh, against RTE, but it is important to enjoy your sport, to have the knowledge that Matt brings, that Rob Carney brings, and Alan Wynne Jones, great Welsh player, also brings. And the way we talk about sport intelligently and without the hype and the idiocy that you see so frequently is very important. But for now, thank you for listening, all of you. A big thanks to Matt, who's going to be with us throughout the World Cup, guiding us, hopefully, to... um, Next time, Matt, I'm going to ask you who's going to win, and we're all going to back them. (laughs) The bookies are terrified. (laughs) We're grateful to Matt Williams, one of the great figures in the game in the Southern Hemisphere, and it's great to have that perspective because uh, they're tough and they're rough and they tell you right in your face what's going on, how it is. So thank you very much, Matt. Absolute pleasure, Ivan. Absolute pleasure. We look forward to talking to you soon and good luck to Australia, of course, but I believe they're brutal. (laughs) (laughs) They had it to to their credit. They had their first win of the year. Uh, now it was against Georgia, and uh, but uh, yeah, I don't think uh, I, I certainly wouldn't be putting any money on those uh, because the bookies will win everything there. But look, I, it's my own country. I've got to, I've got to have a part part of my heart that that uh, is with them. But I, I'm not very confident. Yeah, of there. course, as they say in horse racing, Matt, they won't be troubling the judge. <laughs> That's right, exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, we're grateful to Matt. Thank you very much to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Hold up. 
Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.